From the nation's northwest corner is Time Washington. for all over the map now. Our resident historian, Felix Spinell, he joins us every Friday right at this time with a quick look at stories behind local places and things. And this week, the grassroots effort to save the historic Ryan House in Sumner just got a most endangered boost from a statewide preservation group. This sounds promising, Felix. Yeah, you might remember a few months ago we reported the Ryan House in Sumner. Uh, parts of the house date all the way back to the 1860s, which is a really long time ago for a house in this area. It was donated to the city in the 20s. It was a town's library for decades, and then has been home to the Historical Society. Now, the city of Sumner has been working for the past few years and had successfully raised a fair chunk of money to actually restore the house. And it's this historic structure right in the middle of town. It figures prominently in their long-range planning as kind of a nexus between the past, present, and future of Sumner. It's all over these documents, and its role as a prominent public landmark is fully embraced all throughout the city. It's kind of crazy. Because at some point last summer, the city got some updated estimates on the cost to do the restoration, and they found some additional structural issues with the house, and they abruptly shifted gears. And without much public process, the city council voted to demolish the Ryan House instead. Boo! Okay. Boo. Um, now, it, it, yeah, there you go. <laughs> this unbiased. It gave many people whiplash. It was such a rapid 180 from like years of work and fundraising toward restoration to fast-tracking demolition instead. So a grassroots effort to save the Ryan House sprung up. The group goes to city council meetings. They hand out flyers at parades. But the city doesn't seem interested in what those Sumner residents want. So that little friendly grassroots campaign also includes a legal challenge to the process by which the demolition permit was granted. And now, just a few days ago, the Washington Trust for Historic Preservation has added the Ryan House to its list of most endangered places in the state, which they do to help call attention to community assets like this where there's still a chance to do something. Now, Chris Moore is executive director of the Washington Trust. He says a rising budget on a preservation project is pretty common. Of course, the prices are going to go up because you tend to discover other issues as you really get into restoring an old building. So the sudden shift by the city of Sumner is something of a head scratcher. We really applaud the city for the stewardship they've done. They've, they've held for nearly 100 years and for the efforts to, to fundraise to get it rehabilitated. And I guess the question is, with that kind of such a long track record, why why was it so sudden to just move to demolition? You know, and I reached out to City of Sumner spokesperson Carmen Palmer to get the official reaction to this listing, but she declined my request. And in an email, she wrote, quote, we thought that we were fairly clear in September that it was endangered. So this listing seems a bit belated, unquote, which is kind of just playing a word game with this notion of calling attention to it. And she further said, we appreciate the support of the Washington Trust, but funding remains a missing ingredient. As far as we can tell, being added to this list, unfortunately, doesn't help with that, unquote. But it could help with it if everyone was working together, right? So what's really missing in Sumner is a little thing I like to call dialogue. Now, if, <laughs> if I was an elected official in Sumner, which I'm not, coincidentally, and a group of residents and business people were devoting hours of their volunteer time to try and raise money to restore a publicly owned historic house right in the middle of town... I'd be helping them and finding ways to work together, not ignoring them or battling with them. And working it into my re-election campaign. Exactly. Yeah. Vote for me and I'll save the Ryan House. And that's where Chris Moore of the Washington Trust sees the real potential in this project. If there can be meaningful dialogue and a true partnership between the city of Sumner and those citizens willing to get involved in this crazy day and age. So I think that's part of the discussion is to work with the city and with the community to, to say, hey, th th there's a there's a combination. There's a hybrid outcome of sorts that might that might work here that um, certainly keeps this 
building as a legacy building for the city, but also finds other other ways to, to use it and have it be a real civic asset. So the legal challenge for the demolition permit will be heard next month in Pierce County Superior Court. And wait, I've just been handed a bulletin. On oh. Sunday, February 25th, there'll be a spaghetti dinner fundraiser at Ooh. Purdy's Public House in Sumner. Yummy. I'll post a link on my Facebook page. We'll have it at my Northwest as well. And that's my unsolicited advice to the city of Sumner. Get together with those citizens. Talk about it. Don't waste money on attorneys and stuff. Let's spend money on actually saving the Ryan House and save this wonderful asset that's been there since 1860. I love that idea. Thank you, Felix, you for bet. bringing attention to yep. it. We head to the nation's capital, where the White House is on damage control after a special counsel report was released surrounding President Biden's disclosure of highly classified documents. We called up CBS Chief Foreign Affairs correspondent Margaret Brennan, who described the president's reaction to the report. That hastily arranged press conference last night was emotional and it seemed unruly. This was put together 20 minutes beforehand. The White House might have been planning it, but they didn't tell reporters about it until 20 minutes beforehand. And then it was reporters shouting questions at the president, who was clearly angry, not at the decision to not prosecute him. That was a win for his campaign. And he really focused in on the distinction between himself and Donald Trump when it came to handling of classified material while out of office. But it was the personal that Joe Biden reacted to, the reference in that report by the special counsel to mental acuity and ability to recall and a reference to what the special counsel said appeared to be a challenge recalling the date of his son Bo's death. Mr. Biden strongly reacted to that, saying, how dare they? And it is none of their business. And how could they have brought that up and said there's no way he could ever forget the date of his son's death? He thinks of it every single day. That was the thing that was the most emotional from Joe Biden last night. You have to wonder if the White House is wondering in the light of day if it was a good decision to put him out in front of the cameras. Especially since we saw confusion, too, with, again, heads of state. He was mixing up names. Yes. Well, last night, um, Joe Biden got the name of Egypt's leader right, but he referred to him as the leader of Mexico. Uh, This in a week where he had given the wrong name to the German chancellor, referring to uh, one who had died decades prior, also referred in a different fundraising uh, venue to the leader of France by the wrong name, someone who was also long dead. So it is not a good streak, and it is happening in a week where Democrats and the White House had hoped they could instead refocus on fumbling by Republicans in Congress with this inability to actually <laughs> impeach the the Homeland Security Secretary and the failure to uh, deliver votes uh, to secure the border with this new border deal that was agreed on on a bipartisan basis, but walked away from because Donald Trump told Republicans not to vote for it. So it really uh, it is not a good week for the Biden campaign. Where are we on uh, funding the government, getting border security? I mean, yeah, that was an epic failure uh, for Congress. And the Americans are watching, waiting. Yes. And, you know, for Americans who have long said, oh, Washington's dysfunctional, this is next level. Mm -hmm. This is not anything I've seen before. This was a hard won deal with some Republicans and Democrats and an independent Kirsten Cinema from Arizona who sat down and hashed this out for months, putting it together. It was painful and they got there. You can get a deal. You can get a bipartisan deal. You can deal with the border and change laws for the most significant way in decades. This was a win on paper. And then they walked away from it because of presidential year politics. And that's the thing that is um, 
just shocking when you can say as a party, uh, this is, you know, a national security crisis and then choose not to deal with it. The only consequence they may respond to is voting them out of office. So it is truly up to Americans to decide, is this the way you want your government to run? Yes, it's it's hard, I know, for you to not get disaffected, but the way you change it is by participating in the system to yeah. say no way, no how at those lower level elections all the way up to the presidential one. Well, thank goodness it's Friday, right? <laughs> hey, it's, it's my Wednesday. Oh, I work weekends. Oh, that's right, Margaret. So sorry. Yes, and we will see you this Sunday on Face the Nation. Uh, your guests, you want to talk about them? Sure. Uh, we have Senator Chris Murphy, Connecticut Democrat, to talk to us about that border deal he worked on and that question of what happens now for funding for Ukraine, funding for Israel. And, of course, we have to ask him about the president. We'll also talk about the Super Bowl. CBS has the Super Bowl this Sunday. Of course. And my good colleague, JB, James Brown, will be joining me to chat. Excellent. Sounds like a fun show. Margaret, thank you for your time. Thank you. Channel's Morning News, Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. Over the past six months, there have been layoffs at so many companies, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, self-driving company, Cruise, even uh, Blue Origin. Let's talk to Mike Lewis, who is uh, familiar to Gian Urso listeners from GeekWire. Uh, how long is this layoff trend going to continue in the tech business? Well, that, wow, that's a big question. I don't think anyone can tell you specifically, but I'd probably tell people to, to expect more layoffs uh, in virtually every sector of tech except one, which is AI. I mean, we've there's been, I don't know, roughly better than 200,000 layoffs over the past couple of years, broadly speaking, in the tech industry and all the big five tech companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Meta, they all have thousands of employees, obviously, Microsoft much more and Amazon much more, but thousands of employees in Seattle. So anytime you hear about a tech layoff, you're going to hear about something in Seattle. But all of these same companies, while they're having layoffs, are also doing in fairly intense hiring, primarily in the AI realm with needing or by needing rather engineers to help develop their own internal AI system like you've seen in chat GPT and and um, and services like that. So it sounds like these layoffs are more of a restructuring of these companies than perhaps their profits aren't coming to fruition. And so they have to shed some numbers. A little bit, although their profits are certainly coming to fruition, right? I mean, here's the thing. It's a little bit more like maybe really binging and then purging. It's probably a good way to put it. These companies hired thousands of people at the beginning and during the, the uh, pandemic, when there was so much online act activity and everybody needed more people and needed more people who were actually working remotely. And then the companies realized, wow, we really overhired. We have more people here than we need. They started cutting people pretty rapidly. But here's the funny thing. Facebook is a good example, which is, which is the meta is the parent company of Facebook that they laid off something like 20% of their employees over the past two years, roughly speaking, profits went up by, 23%. And this isn't profits just based on shedding staff. This is profits based on actual profits. This sent a message like it has through Microsoft as well that has had thousands of layoffs, 16,000 in 2023 alone, and its profits are through the roof. They're finding that they're doing more with less. And some of these people who are laid off are switching into contractor roles, which was an old trick of the tech industry back in the early Microsoft days to move people, which was less expensive to move them to contractor status as opposed to full-time employee status.
So are these people being replaced by AI or are 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 they customers? I know I know in the congressional hearings, there was the implication that it was the uh, content monitors, the content police who were being laid off at these companies. That's that's what in, in the case of X, formerly Twitter, that is absolutely the case. And to some degree, it's true with Meta as well. But largely, they're not necessarily yet being replaced because a lot, AI still can't do everything that these companies want it to do. But what will happen is they will allow for a lot of attrition. And, and let's, let me talk about one specific component about layoffs. Part of the layoff uh, package is when companies decided to make people return to work and there are people who balked, who liked the new lifestyle of working remotely or working from home or working from Bend, Oregon or wherever, what have you. These were opportunities for companies to shed employees that they didn't want to lay off because it was come back to work or you're done here. And that have that resulted in the attrition of quite a few employees. But as it relates to AI, they're not yet being replaced by AI. In fact, the AI departments in all of these companies, Apple included, which is secretly working on something it says is pretty spectacular. Those areas of these companies are actually hiring fairly rapidly. The problem is there is a, a dearth of qualified AI engineers, and they're getting just like the way that we were running out of chips. The AI engineers are getting snapped up by everyone because everyone feels like they need to have a dog in this fight. Mm. So help me set the temperature for tech workers. We're hearing about these massive layoffs, and yet hiring is picking up. So are they just jumping to new companies, or is there an unemployment issue in tech? Well, there is an unemployment issue in tech, absolutely. But I think what is happening is what happens in great upheavals in tech is that there are... There is layoffs in one area, depending on what your skill set is. And then there are there's hiring in other areas, again, depending on what your skill set is. So it's not like the people who get laid off are necessarily immediately eligible for the new jobs that are opening up because it may be outside their area. So should people in certain areas of tech, uh, certain logistics areas, which are probably going to be a largely AI based in the future, should they be worried? Probably a little bit. And should they be looking around? Probably a little bit. Should people who are graduating from University of Washington and with a specialty in, in uh, artificial intelligence, should they be worried? Probably not. They're probably going to be snapped up pretty rapidly uh, as they graduate. Are there any boot camps out there for somebody to learn AI technology? I remember that pre-pandemic when there were coding academies everywhere where you could get a, a quick lesson in coding, get a great job. I'm wondering if the same thing's going to happen in AI or if that's too advanced. I, I would I would assume so, although here's the thing about AI that I think maybe isn't spoken about enough. AI is teaching itself and AI is teaching other forms of AI, especially AIs that deal with one very narrow subject, let's just say customer service for Goodyear tires, like it would be something like that. Those AI, you do need some engineers to get it running, but then they start becoming self-learning. And so how long people stay employed or are employed doing that is a really good question, Colleen, because I don't think anyone can answer that question for you now. And if they do answer it for you, they probably are speaking beyond their their level of knowledge. That speaks to what I know in tech since my husband works in tech. And in addition to his full time job, he also studies on the side because it changes. And he's not an AI, but even just in his uh, software developing, it changes so fast. He's studying every day to keep up with the changes. So I, I can imagine AI would be that times maybe 10. Oh, without any question. I mean, there is that is where you want to be right now in tech. But like you pointed out, 
everyone who has worked in tech for more than 10 years understands that it is a perpetual pivoting on what your mm-hmm. skill set is. And you need to constantly worry about what's next. Mike Lewis from GeekWire. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Your daily dose of kindness now brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. A New Orleans landlord had a special gift for her tenant. CBS's Omar Villafranca has the story. Brittany Ricard of New Orleans wears a lot of hats. This will definitely be gone uh, first quarter. She's CEO of her own cosmetics company. And last year, she became a landlord when she bought her first investment property, an apartment building with 10 units. A lot of my tenants are single women with children. That made her think of her childhood growing up in public housing and how difficult Christmas time could be for her mom. It was tough. My mom was a single woman uh, raising three children alone. So last month, she gathered her tenants for a pre-holiday meeting, put on her chartreuse suit, and delivered a gift to her tenants that would make Santa Claus green with envy. In fact, I wanted to actually gift y'all with a free month's rent. Nah, I don't have to go try to take a loan out or something like our ex-family for money. Like, I can do it now. Kadisha Dunn lives in one unit with her two boys. The single mom says Ricard's gift will allow her family to celebrate more and worry less. She's better than Santa Claus at this point. Yes, yes, just like a guardian angel. Guardian angel. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, New Orleans. Oh, a whole month's rent. That's that is significant. Big deal. Thank you so much, Katrina. Good to have everybody along with us this morning on a Friday version of Seattle's Morning News. Heather Bosch is here, Katrina Gashard. I'm Colleen O'Brien. Sully's at the traffic desk. And Gene Scott. You know know what it reminds me of around here? Dave Ross being gone reminds me of when our parents used to be gone. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Remember on the weekends? Your mom and dad says, nobody allowed over. Dave Ross is not here. And it's a damn party up in here. (laughs) That's not to say that Dave would not get down and party with us, but yeah, somehow uh, people aren't afraid. Where's the red cups? <laughs> red so I have a red cup, but it's you full know, of you, you know, what I'm Sully, you know, you'd be having the red solo cups. I've been known, <laughs> though I've never. Are you kidding me? He crushes it straight from a can. You know that bottle, puts it on whatever it's in. Yeah, what's happening? What's happening is uh, the Super Bowl is happening, yeah. and we are covering that as far as who we should root for, what we should look for. Is Usher going to be a big deal? Right. Uh, should Taylor Swift? to be shown a thousand times or two times. For sure. I don't know. We have a million questions. Well, let's go. Well, first of all, if you are a Seahawks fan, there is no way in the world you should be rooting for the 49ers. Stop it, period, point blank. You are rooting for Kansas City Chiefs. Right? And don't say the other name because she doesn't play for the Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs, (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey, and all those things. That's who you... There's that. Uh, I think that this is going to be a really good game. They've played before. The 49ers lost to them the last time, um, the last time they played. And it's going to be star studded. It's going to be in Vegas, of course. It's going to be all of the stars and all we get to watch the halftime show. I know Katrina's looking forward to Usher. Everybody's looking forward to Usher. (laughs) Usher. Hey, hey, there you go. And I come from the 90s. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a 
Good time. So hopefully that the Kansas City Chiefs win. Um, hopefully that nobody else is a distraction in Patrick Mahomes' family because they have been a distraction lately. You know, his daddy oh, just right. recently got a DUI. There's always something with the Mahomes family. I didn't know that. Yeah. Are you looking forward to the halftime show? Is that I, I, I am. Yeah. I, I really am looking forward to the halftime show. I think that probably if where wherever you go or Super Bowl party, if you're having one, I think the Super Bowl part excuse me, the halftime show in the last two minutes of the game is really what we all watch. I feel like you know how to throw a party. Do you? Yeah, I do. But you know what I'm really good at? I'm good at going to other people's parties. <laughs> you know what I mean? work. Now, now, as a matter of fact, I came up with a quick little list exclusive for you guys' show. Ooh, nice. I was, I was out there, and I was just thinking of things. I'm like, man, you guys, if you're going to a party, or if you're having a party, whatever the case might be, especially if you're going to go to a party, I got some rules for you, okay. just in case, okay. because sometimes that all common sense. Number one, don't come in the ha- empty-handed. Fair? Of course. Okay. Please wear socks. Yes, please. Fair? Yes. <laughs> when you get there, wash your hands before you eat. Someone's watching you. Okay. Uh, don't go upstairs to use their restroom, because if something comes up missing, they will blame you. What? <laughs> what? Don't go upstairs. Just stay downstairs. When you go upstairs, that's where the bedrooms are. Stuff's get weird. Don't do it. Okay. Um, let's see. Don't load your plate up with someone's food that you've never had before. It could be nasty. <laughs> what if it looks good, though? I mean, still could be nasty. Put a little bit. Less is more. Less is more. Because <laughs> what you don't want to do is have that big heaping of it, and you go, mm, and then now you're looking, and you're trying to do the, any of y'all ever do the cover the, yeah. the paper plate over? Yeah. <laughs> Quickly slip it here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Use a new plate if you go to get more food. What? No, that's a waste. Nah, don't be taking that net, that dirty plate up there. You why? can't do Sully. Come on now. It's not like your utensil when you're that dishing up is touching the, the plate. That way the people who haven't seen you the first time think that's your first time thrip through the line. Oh, <laughs> 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 okay. Sure, right. have some uh, more. Yeah. Um, I, I was debating to say about this part, but this is say kind it. of important. Say it. Anything other than number one, go to the gas station or go home. Don't talk to someone else's significant other for the entire game, especially if you're single. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting rules. You uh, don't try to be Tony Romo by trying to tell everyone in the, in the room what play is coming next. Don't be the guy or gal that's like, oh, oh, I, about your football knowledge. Nobody cares. Okay. And be careful that Taylor Swift conversation could go left. Okay. Uh, great advice. Thank you for that exclusive list. That was excellent advice. Yeah, it's all just for us, G. <laughs> Thank you. G's coming up on the G and Ursula show starting at 9 a.m. Right now, we check in with our legislative reporter, Cairo News Radio's Matt Markovich. Matt, what's the latest? Well, good morning, Colleen and Heather. Well, we're going to talk about, you're talking about uh, license plates right now, and we're going to talk about even your elections. Now, what's happening right now in the legislature, I should just point out, uh, is that bills are being passed furiously by the House and the Senate. And a lot of the bills are unanimous. So there's not that much division. So what I've been doing is looking through the voting registries and see, well, what bills are really divided? And there's been some interesting ones. And one of those is this bill involving covering up your license plate. Now, covering a, in, uh, a covered license plate or a tinted license plate, cover has one purpose. It's to 
fake out the toll cameras and prevent law enforcement from reading them. Here's a bill sponsor about that, Democrat Bill Ramos. The machines that law enforcement officers use when they're pulling up upon a car so they know who they're going to address. It's for their safety that they can run the license plate before they get out of their vehicle. Now, the current license plate law has basically three elements. It has to be attached. If you get two license plates, you have to attach one to the front and the rear. It has to be uh, at a distance of no more than four feet from the ground. Uh, and primarily, it has to be kept clean and clear and be able to read at all times. And we're talking about license. And in the law, it says license plate holders, frames, uh, materials that alter wh- how the license plate is read, whether it's Ill- 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 uh, unreadable. And these laws were changed in 2010, and it made a max fine of $500 and a year in jail. Well, House Bill 1963, sponsored by Bill Ramos, would drop everything down to a warning. Now, Republican Spencer, here's Republican Spencer Hutchins. Unfortunately, what this bill then says is law enforcement no longer has the ability to write a citation. Instead, by law, they must only give a warning. This both overextends what already exists in law and then restricts what we can do in enforcing that law. Why is this this bill even coming up? I, I guess I don't understand why they would take teeth out of a law. For a traffic violation. Well, that's your legislature right now, okay. uh, Colleen. <laughs> wow. Uh, this mandate basically uh, lasts until January 1st of 2025, but the intent of this law is more about driver education. So the bill passed 59 to 38, pretty much down party lines. Democrats are always in charge, and now goes to the Senate. And I think what we're seeing, answer, trying to answer your question, Colleen, is we have right now if you have a broken taillight you know the officers are not being told to pull people over the legislator made it really clear on this and this is a a different way of doing that except with license plate covers people are actually getting by tolls like if you have one drive through the uh, uh 520 bridge they won't charge you because they can't read your license plate oh. so this has a different kind of impact on it more than just driver education it's actually costing the state money that's it's strange that who was the bill sponsor again uh, Bill Ramos, a Democrat. And his reasoning behind this. Well, it's what I just kind of said. It, it's implied. Uh, he didn't really say. He basically reinforced that we need a license plate cover law. And he said that's what this is about. But if you read the fine print, yeah, it drops it down to a warning. I, it, bizarre. Okay, moving on. What's next? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Even your elections. Now, again, this bill, which is uh, House Bill 1932, had the closest vote total so far in terms of, uh, of, of votes on the floor of the, uh, floor of the House. It passed 52 to 45, only seven vote difference. And that's a that's pretty narrow in this particular legislature. It's a bid to enhance voter engagement and participation so local governments in the state could have a choice of moving their elections to even years and skip all the odd years. And it passed the House yesterday. Six Democrats joined all the Republicans voting against the bill. It's one of the closest votes that's been taken so far in the session. So why all the opposition? That's what I was asking. First, let's hear from the supporters. Here's Representative Mia Gregerson from Des Moines. She's the bill sponsor. This is about choice. This is about giving cities and all of our local jurisdictions the opportunity to opt in to a timing that works better for them, their constituents. 
And so these cities and towns and special purpose districts will have an option to have their elections in even years instead of odd number years. Now, currently, odd number years are primarily dedicated to local elections. Well, even number years encompass you know, the presidential elections, statewide, national elections, senators, governors. So with a lower voter turnout in the odd years, some lawmakers believe that the Democratic representative representation at the local level is really small. Here's Representative Charlotte Mena of Tacoma. She represents a district with a large population of people of color and says in an odd year, turnout is abysmal. What the facts show us is that in even year elections, we see a 22 percentage point increase in young voters and a 10 percentage point increase in voters of color. It is incumbent upon us to make voting as accessible as possible. And here's why the, there was so much opposition to it. Uh, Representative Ed Orcutt, he's a Republican from Kalama, urged the chamber to reject the bill, saying skipping on your elections will make the ballot for even year elections very, very long. The concern is voter fatigue. This is what the problem is with adding everybody all onto a single ballot. It's just there's too much on there for them to keep track of everything and understand who all the candidates and issues are in order to make a well-informed vote so they stop voting at some point. That doesn't increase participation, it lowers it. And here's Republican Representative Chris Corey, who says races at the bottom of that long ballot tend to be the local elections and they'll get overlooked. We need to protect odd year elections so that the important work of our local governments is highlighted so that people can make an informed decision and not be rushed to fill out a huge ballot that can be potentially confusing for them. Huh. Have they polled anybody whether you would want to just get it all done in one election cycle or have it drawn out year after year? Because how do you argue there's voter fatigue when turnout is so low, it would mean they're not engaged, not fatigued. Well, the, the, what they, 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 there was no study that they acknowledged. They basically said, obviously, on a presidential election, the turnout turns out high because people come in and they just want to vote for president and then they leave the rest of the ballot blank. Mm. And so you're shortchanging local elections if people come in and just do that. Uh, that's the argument that's for... Theory for it. But oddly enough, it was the small county auditors that really opposed this bill because if their elections go to even years only, they would lose election workers because they got to hold on those election workers in the odd years and they don't have any jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're afraid of using losing experienced election workers if everybody goes to just even year elections and there's no odd year elections. Well, that's an argument. All right. Thank you, Matt, for catching us up. Less than a month until the end of the session. You think the legislature is going to get anything good done? Yeah, all that big stuff we've been talking about, it's later on. They have a, Their cutoff is uh, to go from one house to the other is uh, next Tuesday, and then all the bills are basically baked in there, and then they'll have to vote on them, and then, we'll, and then the big stuff will come. All right, got it. We'll keep talking. Thanks, Matt. It's Mickey time. Happy Friday. We're answering your traffic questions on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476. I'm Colleen O'Brien. Katrina Gashard is here. Mickey Gomez and Sully. Mm -hmm. The whole gang is here to talk about Ursher. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't say Usher. I have to say Usher. What? Oh, my God. No. I, I, and you know what's so funny is that um, I always call him Usher Raymond. Sure, like because, yeah. because because that's his name. He went but anyway, many iterations. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, numbers are flying around Super Bowl Sunday, and the number nine surrounds its halftime performer. And were you the one to figure this out, or is this? A I thing? did. No, I, I I was reading up on everything. I was kind of grabbing all kinds of intel, and I'm like, wait, okay, hold on. It's been nine years since Usher released his eighth album, Hard to Love. 
Another interesting fact, Usher's had nine number one hit singles. His ninth studio album, Coming Home, drops today, which is February the 9th. Mm-hmm. And who's playing in the Super Bowl? The 49ers. The Niners. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so anyway, suffice it to say, the number nine could be... I don't know, the universe's lucky number, Usher's lucky number, the Niners, I don't know. But the number nine just comes out a lot. And if Vegas odd makers, if Vegas odds makers get it right, Usher will kick off his show with this song. She likes it my nah. No. I don't it's think so slow. either. I do too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if things go my way, little John who lives in Vegas could make a surprise visit. You know, he could show up. I'd love that. Hello. Somebody let him know. But this is the <laughs> song. This is the song that I think he's going to kick off the halftime show with. Oh, my yeah. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. Love it. Baby, I did it again, so I'm going to let the beat drop. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like, the song that if you're like at the bar, at the club, getting a mm-hmm. drink or talking with a friend, you hear that and you start and you run yeah. to the center of the floor. I heard about, it at oh, the grocery oh, store. Oh, oh, yeah. And I was going down the aisle and I was like, I'm going to let the beat drop. You know, and my kids are like, no, she did not. But anyway, that's Usher with Will I Am. Yeah. OMG. Oh, my God. And um, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, that he also performs this song, which is one of my favorites, too. Sitting there, I know, just he's just absolutely like, unmoved by any of this. <laughs> he's like, no, not an Usher fan. No, I I, I left popular music when auto tuning came in. <laughs> it, just, it just grates me, and so yeah, I don't know any of these songs. Okay, what about this one? Peace up, A Town. This he might start with. You gotta yeah. know. Oh, uh, I mean, I've heard it like at the gym or something, but yeah, I wouldn't have oh, guessed okay. in a million years who it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Usher and Lil Jon. You gotta love his candor, though. Come on, though, right? <laughs> That's He's all like, right. The no. halftime show is not for Sully. Nope. But here's the thing, and I'll be honest: when I found out that it was going to be Usher, I was like, "Oh, same Usher." But really? then you start but hearing then, all of his hits. Yes, yes, Katrina. I was like, "Really?" Because I'm I'm holding out for a Britney Spears Super Bowl halftime show. She's that, never that's, my she that's, she's my out of the... that's my dream. That's my dream. That's my dream. Didn't she do it though? Didn't she already do one? I don't know. She had a big Pepsi commercial during she the did, Super Right, Bowl. right, right. That, but. but when I said, I, I said, you know what? Let me go back. Let me listen to some Usher songs mm-hmm. and, and feel what the hype is going to be. And I went, oh, there's this song. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. there's this song. And it's multi-generational. <gasps> yes. So, honestly, I think it's going to be a party. It is going to be generational minus Sully. I am looking <laughs> forward to it. This is, I'm, like, actually excited you about staying it. staying home and going I'm, to a bar? No, I'm staying home. Okay. I'm staying home. My daughter and I will probably watch uh, watch the Super Bowl. Andrea works, but I, I think she'll be home in time for the halftime show. What's really cute is my son will be upstairs playing his video games, but he'll watch. He'll walk down. He knows nothing about football, and he'll go, interception. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, That's so hobby. cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you too, yeah. Katrina, you just staying home for the Super staying Bowl? Staying home, but it's a double feature. It's my husband's birthday, and he loves Usher. So, honestly, I'm like, okay, one less thing That's to so worry nice about. nice of you to get him a halftime show for <laughs> his birthday. Usher can dance. I mean, oh, he had the two and so a half. Talented. Yes, he Yes, he is. And he had that two and a half year Vegas residency, uh, which just wrapped up in December. So, this is going to be his year. I think he's going to have a good comeback. All right. Thank you, Mickey. Number nine. We'll be watching out for it. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. You can hear us live every morning on 97.3 FM or subscribe to this podcast and you'll never miss the show.